0: We were back to Ivy Town and The Atom, and that meant we were back in the safe hands of Gardner Fox. It was a relief to be here after Adam Strange had turned for the worse. This time, we'd have some more light-hearted sci-fi to have fun with.
1: Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. We're back with The Atom. I'm, I'm excited. I, was actually, I actually enjoyed a few of these yeah. and a few of the things inside of them that are a characterization things. So I'm, I'm kind of glad we're going to talk about these because they're, they're solid. They're yeah. solid fair for this time period and I'm actually kind of happy to be doing some that I, I, I felt like they were the same all the way through. I think, Except for moments mm-hmm. that were good and then you went back to the normal. It never went bad to me.
0: I won't fully agree, but I do think I, I, there were some that I found just very meh. But I think overall, I was more positive than than you sounded, v- kind of like lightly positive. I, I had a lot yeah. of fun with a lot of them.
1: Yeah, I, I would say this is the difference between accuracy and precision. Yeah, yeah. These are these are more precise. Or, or rather, these are more accurate. Like they're kind of all in the same direction, as opposed to like being all consistently good. So these are like, all right, you're 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 shooting you're shooting for the right for the right target here. You're yeah. not off target. I think so.
0: This just reinforces how
1: much Gardner Fox man <laughs> is is a better writer over time, and just a a, a guy who gets what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. So, Joanne, we're going to take a little bit of time for some of these. I, I goofed when I was doing the uh, telling Matt what to read. So I told him to read uh, the Atom 10 to, I think, 17. We only really needed to read the Atom 11 to 17. Because 10 we had covered in a previous episode, huh. um, which I didn't realize. And I looked back at my notes and sure enough, there was the Atom number 10. So... Huh. We're only going to stick with uh, The Atom number 11 to 17 because that was actually the last issue that shows up in the Showcase Presents collection of The Atom. So we're going to go a little bit into 1965 with him and then when I get the next volume, we're going to go from 1965 to 66. Um, What's starting with The Atom number 11, March 1964. Uh, A man pretending to be an old classmate of Ray Palmer's at their 10-year anniversary for college ends up trying to take everything from the ivytown university's 10-year club which is i guess a club full of crap to commemorate the accomplishments of past graduates and alumnus he tries to steal it and pretends to be one of the other alumni and when ray unmasks him it's just another guy from who's another alumnus who is doing identity theft effectively it's not particularly great but it is a kind of a weird caper where he makes everyone think that he's stolen the items and then when they've gone he takes them event he takes them uh actually because they're no longer guarding them we actually see this happen again in another story later down the line a similar idea um with some safe cracking it's not a wholly original idea but it was clever the first time the second time it's kind of like okay gardner we get it you thought this was smart but it's eh, it's okay um it's a clever plan to be honest
0: it it is and there's a specific beat in the second one i think the second one is when he talks with gene is like hey can they be charged for
1: this right i will say there's some interesting like actual legalese conversations as well as some genuine like science education that happens in these Mm. stories that i thoroughly enjoyed just for the sake of seeing that stuff in these that we used to get in the flash and we haven't gotten as much anymore because they've gone so fantastical getting these in the atom i think is really fun and also very very comics code
0: yeah and i will say that even though uh it it's not the flash it's not fact fa- eh, flash facts but we do get uh some of the little uh not interstitial but the little one pager. Did you know little bits of mm-hmm. science?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm I'm excited about that. The second story in number eleven, uh, a bunch of aliens swap places with the crew and passengers of a cruise liner that the Adam is on with his girlfriend Jean Loring, and he realizes that they're all um, <laughs> they're all alien imposters when the imposter Gene tries to kill Ray and at this costume party and he eventually turns into the atom and convinces all the aliens that he's a gremlin and gremlins are like all over the place on this planet and dimension and he will torment them until they leave everyone back the way that they came so the aliens just give everyone back and nobody is the wiser um and i just thought it was really funny the adam's like i'm a gremlin and i'm like that's the weirdest <laughs> image in my head but all right um the atom number 12 uh may 1964 uh, Jean is jealous of Ray's new assistant, Enrichetta Negrini, um, who is an Italian physicist assistant, science assistant that joins Ray at the Ivy Town, uh, university to study. Um, she's named after Enrico Fermi, who is a famous scientist, and Italian physicist, um, nothing's going on between them and riquetta does not seem to be at all interested in ray in any sort of romantic fashion it's just jeans like wow she's really pretty and you're stuck working with her for eight hours a day and there's a bit of a moment where she's like i was kind of jealous and ray's like oh that's not that's not our relationship at all we're purely professional jeans like oh cool thanks and then that tension is immediately destroyed and i was like i kind of love that
0: these people are are people and uh full on full on characters i don't yeah. remember if it's this story or a later one where Gene uh, ends the epi- the issue as they're like walking away. Like that really, that really must have crushed her. Let's invite her out for dinner with us. at yeah. some point. Just, yeah, she she yes. genuinely actually
1: cares about Enri- Enriquezza, which is kind of sweet. Um, but in the story, the atom is captured by a guy who ends up using the atom's physiology and white dwarf star matter in his suit to create a ray gun. Where he just plugs the atom into like an electron coil in a gun and shoots a beam of energy through the atom and blows a bunch of stuff up and the atom has to get his way out of this he's effectively captured for a few days and gene starts to question where he is and she's like were you with Enriquetta the whole time he's like no nah, i was like busy and she goes oh i'm so oh no he says he was sick and she's like oh my god i'm so sorry Are you okay he's like yeah i'm, I'm fine now and she's like okay well uh thanks let's let's go out to dinner and they continue to go um the insistence of ray trying to get Jean to quit being a lawyer so that they can get married dies off in these issues was that was an say, integral I part remember it and i
0: was terrified that, that i would an... forgotten
1: no that's an integral part of their relationship and occasionally ray remembers it or thinks about it in a thought bubble because in the original stories that we talked about it, that's part of his thing is like oh is this your the big case that makes your career now you can retire and marry me and she's like no i'm a lawyer i like doing this um he stops pestering her about that. It just becomes part of her character. And he doesn't seem to really try to get her out of it anymore. Um, which I kind of love. Mm-hmm. Um, because now it's it seems like he's just more accepting that this is part of who she is. And he loves her regardless. And they're okay. Like They actually have a fairly healthy relationship comparatively. Yeah. Um, the second story in number 12... Uh, using Professor Hyatt's time pool, if you remember that, uh, Ray's got a friend who makes basically a, a little portal, freestanding portal that he fishes through and he grabs things with a magnet from different time periods and pulls them up and studies them. Um, but Ray's able, as the atom, to go through the pool and go to different parts of history. In this story, he helps Edgar and Poe solve a mystery. Two things. What? And... Is Edgar Allan Poe some sort of detective that I was unaware of? They do talk about how Edgar Allan Poe used to be like a Navy fencer, which is a fact I didn't know about Edgar Allan Poe, and I don't know if that's true or not. But the story makes Edgar Allan Poe out to be some sort of Sherlock Holmes type, and it's weird as all get out. Um, And it does not jive with the (laughs) image in my head of early prototype hot topic poetry guy, um, writing, uh, my Antonia <laughs> and the telltale heart. Um, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Okay. So what
0: I'm seeing is he enlisted in the U S army. He went to West point and flunked out as a cadet. Uh, so yeah, that makes he, sense. Yeah. Okay. So he was in, he was in the army for two years. So
1: Okay. okay, he has some training, but a yeah. little bit more than, than I believe a little bit less than I believe this issue leads us to believe. The one um, thing,
0: like this, is a thing that I did not know either. So I presume this just hasn't isn't part of the public consciousness. He was consi- he is considered to be the inventor of the te- detective fiction genre. So huh. eh, there's some of that. Well, not an actual right, detective, then. but doing the uh, Miss Marple thing, I suppose.
1: Even before the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, I guess. Yeah, even before yeah. Conan Doyle? Interesting. Or Agatha Christie. Wow. Well, shows you how much I know about time periods and authors. Um, but uh, we're moving on to The Atom, number 13, July 1964. Uh, a man fills a bunch of clocks with uh, jewels to smuggle them out of Hungary to his daughter in the United States. Meanwhile, Kronos, the time thief, who was in a previous issue of The Atom, Breaks out of jail and tries to get all these clocks so he can get the precious jewels and the atom, of course. Stops him. This is the first kind of we're going to talk about the Iron Curtain sort of story that we have here. Mm -hmm. Because smuggling what's he smuggling out of Eastern Europe? Why does he have to smuggle things out of Eastern Europe? (laughs) What is happening in the 1960s with Eastern Europe? Well, we, we
0: know some of what's happening a little bit. Well, I guess 10 years earlier, but
1: so it is uh it's kind of an interesting sort of ah, real-time situation here but not not so much like it's heavily hinted that something is going on within Hungary that he needs to do this but we're not we don't get very explicit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second story Ray Palmer is accused of aiding in a robbery and as the atom he has to clear his name and prove his innocence um, The atom number 14 September 1964. Pieces of, a white, of the white dwarf star that actually is uh, the body of the fragment that Ray has on his belt to control his uh, size shrinking abilities. Um, pieces of that dwarf star gain sentience and collect themselves into a larger piece of dwarf star that is able to control his suit. And he has to fight his suit and this piece of white dwarf star to gain control of the gun. Um, body count one here. Ray kills a sentient creature. That's true cuz the white dwarf star matter turns into a thinking being that does not want to die and Ray kills it with dynamite. It's not organic, but that doesn't mean that it isn't a thinking being that has a personality and wants desires and needs and that was that was death. He did he did kill a thing. He did it he did it he did it dead. So we're going to give him the one there. Um the Atom number 15, November 1964. Adam fights crooks who are using illusion tech to rob people. They've kidnapped uh, one of Ray Palmer's friends who uh, has stumbled upon a technology that can cause certain people to hallucinate and others not to. And they're using this to kind of uh, create situations where they can rob some people. Um, second story here a guy who has rigged up a bunch of safes before they reach their destinations with false bottoms, um, claims that he's using hyperspace to travel to different locations to steal them instantaneously. And all he's really doing is using a remote control to open up the false bottoms, have the the items drop into that, close the bottom and everybody thinks the stuff's been stolen. And then he goes back in later and takes them uh, when nobody's guarding them, much like the story at the beginning that we talked about. Um, this I found interesting because this actually gives some characterization for Anne Ricketta. Um She's really interested and really passionate about hyperspace. And like the implications of this criminal has discovered hyperspace technology. And what that could mean for travel and space travel. And when the Atom finds out that the guy is a fraud, this is when you get that moment that you just mentioned with Gene where adam explains oh this guy's a fraud and Jean goes oh man Enricetta is going to be so sad let's take her out to dinner and like and help her not think about the fact that this guy kind of ruined her her vibe and i was like <laughs> that's really cool like that is really neat that shows that Jean is not the jealous type she understands that her relationship with ray is solid and she cares enough about Enriquetta to want to make her feel good i was like that's Pretty awesome. So good, good Anya lasagna with that kind of writing. <laughs> big, big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Atom number sixteen, January nineteen sixty five. Uh, a guy with some premonitions develops a machine that allows him to track where the atom is because he believes that his premonitions are tied to instances of the white dwarf stars' uh, metal usage. He doesn't quite understand that aspect of it, but he just assumes that these instances of premonitions occur due to the atom's activities. He tracks the atom down and irons him yep. flat.
0: Oh, it's great.
1: <laughs> it's really, it's it's interesting. It's visually appealing, but oh, Ray yeah. is basically ironed flat and pinned to a board so the guy can extract atomic energy from him and use it to fuel his premonitions so he can win at gambling and get rich. Um, Ray gets used
0: as a part of an invention a couple times in this whole thing.
1: And I will say it is only because of his size. I think it is only because of the fact that he is smaller than everybody and is easily input put into machines mm. that this is the reason that this happens. Um, obviously, um, the Atom wins and because look how not flat he is in the rest of comics for all of time. Um, the Atom number 17, the final issue that we're going to cover here, by the way, uh, the Atom number 16 was uh, January 1965. So, Happy New Year, Atom number 17, March 1965. Jean uh, is employed by a number of crooks who are arrested for stealing, and they explain that they weren't stealing anything because they were taking stuff out of a warehouse that they own. But they effectively sick her and the Atom on a bunch of crooks that were stealing from them while they it were stealing, rules. basically, rules. that were. Um they, they were poaching, you know, scores from them, and the Adam stops those guys and then also finds out that these guys were crooks all along, so everybody gets arrested. Um, which I thought that was a fun story of like no honor among thieves and everybody being used until the last minute. Um last story in number 17 uh Professor Hyatt's time pool comes back again, and the Adam helps Jules Verne recover Nostradamus' crystal ball. Okay. Boy, howdy, these stories are weird. The <laughs> time pool stories are not my favorite. Um,
0: it really feels like... You know what it feels like? It feels like a writer decided to write about how important writing is and how cool writers are.
1: Yeah, um, it also feels... That feels company mandated to me. Mm. In a weird way. Because like, if you look at all the other stories the Gardner is writing for this character, none of them have to do with time travel.
0: Well, for this character though well right i guess i'm thinking of
1: because uh... like flash does you're right green lantern has dimensional travel but for this character everything that he's writing is so within a certain reasoning grounded in reality it has to do with actual science these are the stories that feel the most out of place while they are not out of place in comics they don't exactly feel like Adam stories. These feel like Flash stories.
0: Yeah. It I wonder how much of it is the the visual of what if you could put a guy on a fishing hook and go fishing with him?
1: Right. And then and that's it was third time. And that's kind of what makes me think that they're, like I said, uh, editorially mandated. Because they're also the only they only occur in two parter issues they're always the second story in t- in two mm-hmm. story issues. They're never the full length story. Which makes me believe that I was like somebody somewhere might just be like, "Oh, you only wrote a 12 issue or a, t- a 12 page story." Do another time pool thing. Like they are either the bottom of the barrel when Gardner Fox gets like writer's block or Julia Schwartz or somebody at editorials like, "Do another time travel thing." i don't know who the editor for the atom is at this time curious as well i'll take a look in the background um but i do want to point out um how fun the fighting is yes i feel like the creativity of these fights is the most creative we've ever seen in any of the other comics short of the flash um Because the idea that a tiny, tiny six-inch man beating up normal people, normal-sized people, has to come into play with what exactly the atom is doing in each instance to get to what he's doing. Uh, Making himself lighter so he can float on, you know, the breeze of a fan so he can land on a guy's head but then increasing his weight so that when when he punches the guy it hurts a lot. Or grabbing a guy's coattails and increasing his weight so it's 180 pounds now pulling the guy down from behind. Like, that, all that stuff is fun. I love all of that because it's so ingenious and creative and not just talking over the action because the action is mundane. Like you would see in Superman or a Batman story or Wonder Woman. They're never doing anything so creative in the fights what they are doing is creating tools or ma- manipulating the circumstances around the fight. And that's what's cool. But they always have to talk about it. Like Superman going like, I'm going to create a magnet thing that helps me do this. And then it wins. And then he punches things. Versus this is... Ray is just beating the crap out of these guys. Yeah. Like he is straight up fighting. But what's creative is how he's fighting and i find that really cool and fascinating that that is what they a lot of page time is devoted to this combat like a significant amount of pages and panels it is awesome and i'm i'm 100% about that i i think there's a specific there's a specific thing that came to
0: me when cuz at first i was filing this under oh it's cool in the same way that like aquaman combat was cool where it's just oh they're coming up with creative ways and it's just kind of cooler because maybe something about size because with aquaman we were like everything's cooler when it's with fish like that was just cooler i think what's actually going on here is it's home alone it's specifically taking things that we know intimately everyday objects like a violin string and it hits the absurdest part of our brain to see it used in a different way. Like, Oh, tiny Ray Palmer bounces off a violin string and hits a guy. Uh, And that, that feels inherently more creative because we all, we have the grounding. Like we talk, I talk at least a lot about how important, like grounding the rules for uh, how this thing works. So that when I see it happen in combat, when I, when it is used as a solution specifically, uh, it it is established. Okay, I can see the chain here. The nice thing about this, or with science in general, and with these kinds of home items, it's just I know how this works. Yeah, I can see it, and it's being used in a different way, and that that tickles my brain. It is taking, it is subverting expectations, and it's great. It's yeah. also just kind of cool to see a little tiny like six inch dude beat the shit out of some guy's ankle that just kind <laughs> of hits and they don't do it too often where it's just i'm here and i'm going to beat the shit out of your ankle it's well maybe it's like a page every story maybe maybe yeah. it is that frequent but it's because it, you it can reach satisfying you know
1: <laughs> it works but it works and it's fun and Mm -hmm. i don't get tired of it because i think the 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 imagery is fun and the creativity and the writing is there it's less boring than and judo him to death like it it speaks to the fact that ray is not only smart he's he's got a lot of ingenuity Mm -hmm. he's a clever man for a guy who's also not even a soldier who do you like,
0: think is the smartest fighter? I guess maybe Flash. It feels like
1: well, Flash pulls a lot of like, science and I think solutions. It, I th- yeah. I think it's important to also define what smart fight means. Mm-hmm. Because some people might, call, might think that that's tactician. That's not correct. Because being tactically intelligent is structuring the fight around how you want to fight. Because you could mm-hmm. make the fight be what you want and then still do the same move over and over again and make sure that that works. That's tactics. Being a clever fighter is using your opponent's momentum against them, using your environment to create opportunities for you, using improvised weaponry. I think you're right. I think the Flash and so far the Atom are the most creative fighters. I would have said Green Arrow probably would be too. We don't see him very much i think green lantern might be in the running there I, however I think he, he gets yeah. kind of he's cheating a little bit yeah because he can make whatever he wants and it's kind of like well he can also just make like he does a giant shoe to step on you yeah
0: I, I i agree that i agree he is very much in the running but i think yeah he has that i have identified the solution and i can make whatever is needed for that solution
1: right So it's, he, like I said, I think that's cheating uh, because the ring can kind of do anything. But in the terms of, I only have this power, which is like a one-note power. How can I be creative with this one-note power to win a fight that isn't just, I punch you all the time?
0: And I think it is worthwhile for us to call out here, one of the things that they do, that... Gardner fox does with ray palmer in this is it it isn't just size it's also altering weight and that is a thing that i forget about a lot until i until it comes up in reading yeah uh, and that like being able to just flash your your weight up and down to get the exact effect you're going for it okay there we go that is everything i want
1: Yeah, and and he uses it so cleverly. Like In the the Jules Verne one, when they're chasing two guys on horseback, he makes himself heavy to trip a horse, and then makes himself light enough that he can float back to the other horse's horsetail, get flicked up towards the rider from the horsetail, then makes himself heavy again so he can knock the rider off of the horse. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's a clever sequence of events that works.
0: You you know what that feels like? It... It feels like a quick time event of... Yes! Time the, quick time event, rhythm game, uh, changing your forms between things. It's something in there.
1: Yeah, 100% <laughs> it does, and I love that. I think it works fabulously for this character. I It is completely on brand. And again, they're not so much... It's not so much that he's out fighting them. He's not, like, the most martially a proficient character it's not like he knows a thousand ways of kung fu like batman he's just being smarter if i'm heavier on your foot it's gonna freak you out you're gonna raise one foot up and because you're gonna jump on that other foot and then i can kick your other leg out like it's not he's not using like judo or muay thai or krav maga he's just being smart knowing people's bodies if i hit you here you're gonna get knocked out if i do this you're going to be distracted and then you're going to raise your hand up and that's going to lower me to the other guy and i can hit him he's just being smart and that i think changes him from a guy like adam strange mm-hmm. who shouldn't know how to fight like this like he shouldn't be a good hand-to-hand combat expert a gunfighter and a, and a swiss army scientist that doesn't make sense with the atom, mm. it's like you're not really doing anything impressive combat-wise because you're almost doing slapstick stooges fighting. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like he's just, he's just Looney Tunes fighting these guys. So it's not like he's a really impressive fighter. He's just outthinking them, and I kind of love that. That doesn't make him less believable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's the ultimate smart guy outwitting the dumb crook like you said it's very home alone. Yeah, technically if Kevin has enough prep time, he can freak the fuck out of a bunch of criminals.
0: And it it plays into our ideas of it gets the extra boost of oh, the small cunning guy versus the big dumb guy. Like the size yes. difference also plays into that.
1: It is yeah, it is forever a David versus Goliath story yes. of just being smarter. Yeah. And just being and smarter.
0: sometimes he does get like knocked out like he is tiny sometimes he messes yeah. up and he gets knocked out
1: or he forgets to, to, to mass shift himself and yeah. he's stuck in something or he yeah. his own like there's the, the one story where he like uses his tiny body but at a heavy weight to pull a branch back to then have it come back and whap two guys <laughs> but it, it comes back so fast it hits him and yeah. it knocks oh, him it out rules. It, it rules yeah. it, it makes him believable and more fallible Mm-hmm. And that makes him someone you can root for and not know. Is he going to win this time? He does screw up. I mean, obviously, through the conventions of narrative and being superhero comics, he's going to win. Because he's the Atom. It's his comic. We don't have a history of two-part stories from issue to issue to suggest that he could potentially lose a fight. However, it's more unexpected than superman being thwarted because he of an obstacle he doesn't necessarily understand Mm -hmm. or green green lantern being thwarted by the color yellow and having to circumvent an issue that he will eventually overcome or the flash being like oops i slid on some ice gotta remember next time not to do that because usually when the flash fails it's because he's encountered something he hasn't experienced before and then he just beats it the next time Mm -hmm. the atom constantly feels like he is having to worry about the same shit and when it, when it gets him, it's because he's not paying attention. Or he's overwhelmed. These guys have guns! Yeah, like, oh shit! Or like, I didn't see this other guy try to step on me. You know, like, because I'm small. I don't have perfect vision or of the field of battle. He, he is susceptible to normal people foibles in combat. It just happens less because he's a smaller target. And that makes it easier to believe that he can win most of the time. But it also doesn't mean that he's invulnerable. Because again, Adam has nothing preventing him from being killed. And I think the, the uniqueness of his power set to this company, the uniqueness of his fighting style, his vulnerability, and honestly just the normal human writing of, mm-hmm. of ray palmer makes him a far more relatable character so far than any of the other characters we've read in a while yep. um like there, the, there's one of the stories of like he's uh, the the story about the guy who has the premonitions based off of the atom's uh energy the ato energy being ex, ex, uh, exuded by the atom whenever he shrinks um the guy who's harnessing that ends up actually weakening the atom so he becomes Tired for like a whole week straight. This guy's siphoning his energy trying to figure out how to use it. And Ray's like, I like he's about to go out on a date with Gene and he falls asleep while Gene's changing and Gene's like, You should we should not go on a date tonight. You look awful. And he's like, I'm so sorry, honey. I've just been I've been busy at the at the the lab all day. And she's like, Let's not go out. You need to rest. He's like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go on vacation. And she's like, That's a good idea. And I'm like, one great relationship that's awesome writing for the two of them she prioritizes his health over there over their date night she cares about him and he says i'm gonna do something for me and she supports it one awesome thank you gardner fox you're getting better at writing relationships two he goes to the cabin, and it's right next to a roadhouse that got built <laughs> yeah. within the last time he'd been there. And they're playing the Beatles. And he's like, guys, I like the Beatles, but please stop playing it. I'm trying to sleep. And I'm like, all of this is very relatable. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, he, is- <laughs>
0: and his solution is to like, go into the forest and find a yeah. spot that he can just like hang he out shrinks. in a tree.
1: Yeah, he shrinks and he be- uh, as the Atom and like sleeps at a tree branch. And I'm like, this is normal the absolute grounded nature of this character of just being a guy is is really endearing and I love it. Uh, It is, it's so much easier to get behind. Yeah. And it is, it is more grounded than Gorilla Grodd trying to turn everybody in Central City into gorillas or Green Lantern going off world to fight Sinestro or Superman stopping Bizarro or I don't know, like, the challenges of the unknown going to a different planet or Adam strange on Rand. That's why the time pool stories don't mesh with me very yeah, well. That's true. They feel so removed from the normal nature of this guy as a person and as a scientist. And as just like a guy that to have him time travel and rub elbows with historical figures feels forced. It does not feel like it. Is, it does not feel like it's the same comic to me.
0: I agree. And I'll also throw in, I don't even remember his name, like the clock guy. Yeah. He does Kronos. not feel like a like an Adam villain.
1: Yeah, Chronos, K- the time the time master God. is much more of a Flash character than he mm-hmm. is at the Adam because the Adam has dealt with spies, criminals. Like the Adam is actually the right guy to deal with terrestrial level characters. He's not big enough to be a monster slayer. He should not be doing off-world things. If he does, he's with his, he's when he's with the Justice League, which we see in JLA stories. Like that's when he does those things. Is when he can help those people do their job. He's never the main dude, but he's always the guy in the nick of time. But the Atom is the perfect. Like I would I would read an Atom elongated man book, one hundred percent. Yeah, just two two dudes solving crimes, and I'm like that would be a great book. One of them being. Bigger and stretchy, the other one being small and strong. Awesome team up. Could do the fastball special? <laughs> oh God, yeah, just slingshot. I would, I would love that book. That would be so fun. Those are two characters that mesh really well because of their normalcy, and that would be really fun. And I think that's, I, I you know, I think there is something to be learned from the Adam stories. Again, they're not the best. They're not incredibly well written there are the trappings of 1960s comics of overwrought narration um stiff dialogue even if it is in the in the right way like gene and adam talking and ray talking about like i should take a vacation but stiff forced like expositional dialogue um criminals who all are like named slim and bugsy like Those normal trappings are there. Underneath it, though, is actually a really smartly written comic that has to do a lot with science. And to me, the fact that the Atom is not a more popular hero, based off of how the comics code was being pushed down the throats of the publishers, is really interesting to me. Because I feel like he's hitting all the right notes. He works with the cops, he works with the government, he's pro authority. He's pro-education. He's a, he's a very stand-up guy with his relationship. The, the, the nuclear relationship between him and his girlfriend is very solid. They are positive individuals. His, his girlfriend's a lawyer. like, And his, his sexy foreign assistant doesn't try to ruin their marriage or their relationship. She's also really intelligent. And it's like, there's a lot of propaganda boxes for Americana here <laughs> being teched. Like, and not in, a, in, in an unironic way that I don't think are intentionally done this way. Because mm. we see all the other stuff that Gardner Fox writes and everything else is all over the friggin board. You know, like Adam Strange, the Hawks, um, his stuff with JLA. Like, he is writing a lot of out there things. The Adam feeling the most grounded for him feels like the one that he's doing to make sure that they all know he's doing the right thing. Like if they're like, is Gardner Fox writing comics code? Oh, I mean, look at the Atom. Are you going to question the guy? He makes comics code comics work.
0: I think that's the key thing. Yeah.
1: Like he 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 is he's coloring inside the lines, and he's made a good picture. And that is impressive.
0: Speaking of uh, pictures, uh, it is worth noting that the artist on this is Gil Kane. And Gil Kane, uh, I had to had to go back and remind myself, the artist who co-created Green Lantern and the Atom, uh, plus he later goes on to co-create Iron Fist and Adam Warlock. Uh, he specifically did art for the Amazing Spider-Man arc that
1: bucked the Comics Code. Good for Gil Kane, being being all over the place, both DC, Marvel, but also, wow, Iron Fist and I can see it in Adam Warlock, though. Hmm. I could see this art style and add a more art. And then uh, Murphy Anderson does inks here.
0: Uh, I'm I don't have as strong of feelings about uh, Murphy Anderson. Just kind of it seems like it works. There's some standout yeah. bits. Uh, and he'll be the penciler and inker when Gardner Fox launches Hawkman as its own series. Excellent. And I will say though the Murphy Anderson, there's one sequence of panels in particular when it is specifically when the costume is dying because uh adam has blown up the white white dwarf star uh core and it's just these red panels with uh, just the regular like lines and like black ink on it so you you get the full drawing but all of the colors are just different shades of red they're the first panel is just red, and then the next panel, as it's starting to collapse and its hands are up towards the sky uh you have like the bottom part of just just the bottom part of the uniform is red uh I guess the part the part of the uniform that is actually normally red blue I don't remember I'm well it's, I yeah, trouble is blue and red, yeah yeah. Uh, And then the third panel, it's back to all red. And then it's just the part of the uniform red. And I just, it's cool. It's cool. And we don't see that very often. And it's cool. Uh,
1: So that that made me happy. (laughs) Color color play is not common in these. Like taking chances with dynamic changes and uh, choices like that is very um, not common.
0: And going back to the art, first off, it's worth noting, uh, just generally, uh, Gil Kane, I really like his art. And I think it is part of why I buy the Jean and Ray relationship. There's good characterization in general, uh, and that helps a lot. I think there is also just the fact that they are drawn so comfortable with each other is sort of the word that I used. Uh, and it's worth noting, like Gil Kane is the person who was doing a lot of early Green Lantern. To, when, when we were saying that it read like a romance comic. Yeah. So you get, you get that as well. However, it is worth noting, I, this isn't a bad thing. It just strikes me, and I genuinely wonder if they changed it between original publication and the copy that you have. Can you get out Adam number 12 and the splash page for the, uh, the Adam Gunn uh, story? Because I want to know whether the modern version of this story has Adam with that
1: much of an ass. Incredible. Uh, splash page on the front, uh, like, in, like interior. The uh, yeah, the interior page where it says the atom and it's got the guy and he's jumping out of the, the gun. Uh,
0: he n- uh, not jumping out. Well, maybe he's jumping out of the gun, but he's punching through his hand. Yes, uh, yes.
1: <laughs> Look at how fully defined the curve of that ass is. Yes, that is that is an impressive <laughs> tookus. It's... That I had not noticed at first um, uh, on the Atom on this page. Intentional. Inten- <laughs> intentional took us. Yep. Uh, it... su- the, si- the subtitle for this episode.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's just, there is nothing wrong with that. It is bi- biologically, it makes sense. But yes, it is deeply, <laughs> I did not expect that.
1: That is far too much butt for, for Comics Code America into it. Nope. Good, good, good for you, Gil Kane. Horny on Maine.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a lie. It's worth noting that Gil Kane, or Gardner Fox, does have some ideas that just miss me completely. Like, I really like him being the uh, like the atom being the gremlin who is haunting the cruise ship <laughs> to convince people that jesus we should not be in this dimension but also <laughs> the fact that okay they're aliens who can only cross over into this dimension when the moon is full okay there's an in the unnecessary- Bermuda triangle
1: yeah there's an <laughs>
0: unnecessary level of specificity there it yeah. just just misses me same with the time pool but you do have the cool ideas like that. Or I really like the hypnotism, so people think that an area has been robbed. It, there's cool stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the time pool stories just did not do anything for me. Yeah, those are, those are duds. <laughs> Two last things from me. Uh, the first, did you notice the wrinkle in time moment?
1: Uh, as in a reference to the, a Wrinkle in Time, or right. a very specific thing, or an actual Wrinkle in Time?
0: Uh, more the former. I can't, I can't say for sure that this is meant to be an actual reference, but the timing works out. The Wrinkle, wrinkle in Time comes out in '62. Most of these comics are '64. There's okay. a bit where specifically uh, Enriketa was talking about how. Passionate about the idea of uh, hyperspace, being able to get from place to place super quickly, and the specific way that she visualizes it is, she takes like a strip of paper. It says the the closest point between two lines is not going directly from one to the other. It's taking the two ends of the paper and putting them together.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting that you you thought of a wrinkle in time. I thought of Dune. Huh. I thought of space folding technology, which oh, is yeah. how they visualize space folding. And I don't think you're wrong. It just I think that's interesting that, you you know, depends on how he, you encounter that idea.
0: Wormholes. I wonder when wormholes became, uh, like, in the zeitgeist. Because that might just be something that's all over, like...
1: Sci-fi right now. Yeah. In, in that time. Not to mention Gardner Fox was a science fiction author. so he would also be within that zone um that was what he did outside of comics was was sci-fi books so i i you know i wouldn't be surprised Hmm. if he wasn't unfamiliar with the the parlance Uh,
0: um it's it sounds like the idea of an einstein rosen bridge uh comes out in 1916 but and then in 1962 there's a paper showing that the type of wormhole would be unstable if it connects two parts of the same universe interesting uh, so maybe it's a little bit in popular culture at that time. I don't know all right, this is fascinating yeah that the bit that's fascinating is how much of modern like sci-fi concepts get established way early on. It feels like <laughs> yeah uh, and the last piece that I had that was interesting was just we talked about. The atom getting ironed and being flat. And there's just some nightmare feel of him like being a sail while carrying a hammer, floating <laughs> at a guy. I'm just like, all right, yeah. guys, beat the shit out of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just this nearly sentient hammer, almost beating the shit out of a guy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, these are fun. You should read them. Yeah, I'm. I I highly recommend them. I can't find them on DC Universe. Hmm. I looked... I just even typed in Ray Palmer and The Atom. Uh, Power of The Atom is what comes up, which is the 1975 series. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No, just straight up The Atom. So I wonder if The Atom is discontinued at a certain point and then the 1970s he's brought back. But I could not find those on DC Universe Online. So... Or DC Infinite, whatever we're calling it. Um... But if you can find it, more power to you. If not, uh, these volumes of showcase are available on Amazon. I'm, they're out of print, so they're start, starting to get up there in price. But uh, if you can if you can track them down, I recommend them. Well, if we are finished, I'm going to go with recommendations. Uh, honestly, the last two days I've been watching Our Flag Means Death. Ooh. I, re- I really like it. I've been enjoying it a lot, and it's kind of fun and cute and... Uh, my girlfriend was describing it as like contained and small like it's not a grandiose plot and I think that the nature of it being almost a slice of life comedy works with that very well um I think all the acting is really good and the comedic timing is very solid um the cast they have is is really good and I recommend it I think it's very fun and it's kind of heartwarming but also like has some good drama and like uh emotional uh dramatic bits as well so i i would suggest looking at it and watching it if you are uh so inclined it is like a tvma situation mostly for swearing the gore is not like it's kind of comedy gore like i almost wouldn't even call it gory to a point um personally uh but there's there's you know there's blood and some violence cuz they are pirates but they're bad pirates not like villainous they're like not good at being pirates and that's kind of the joke so don't expect lots of swashbuckling um much more about the concept of being pirates <laughs> and i kind of love it i'm i'm very into it um so yes i think that's on hbo max if you have it available to you, it's it's fun to watch. I think the episodes are only about thirty minutes long too, so it's not oh. like a traditional, it's not a traditional prestige television HBO show where they're like an hour long or forty five minutes and change. It's like yeah, thirty five minutes maybe. So it's like you can watch one in a lunch break. Um, so yeah,
0: nice. Um, my recommendation: you gotta know going in if you are a fan of visual novels, Uh-oh. it is not a tradition. It is not doing the visual novel thing in the sense of uh, in in the sense of dating sim,
1: but it is a oh. visual
0: novel. It is we know the devil, hmm. and this came out in I think ninety four or not ninety four, but uh, twenty fourteen. <laughs> Very different time. Uh, Those I are believe twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen. Could be one of them. either one. Uh, But it is a visual novel about three girls, or, well, I guess I've spoiled something. (laughs) Uh, But uh, three characters at a camp for the worst kids. Mm. But it is also a camp that is a training camp for being magical girls, magical uh, superheroes, in that sense, in a world where that is also about adults imposing controls of behavior and the way they get that those attitudes, when they are societal attitudes, get uh integrated by the by kids themselves of this is what I should be. The the idea of the Panopticon, like you will you will self discipline and they get they are the three who choose the short end of the straw and have to go spend some time at a cabin where the devil will show up and it is potentially the best for most compelling version of like the devil as lightbringer since milton that hmm. i have encountered uh and I And I am also a fan of, like, Gaiman's version of uh, Lucifer and all of that that comes with it. That's maybe not a terrible, like, grounding space to come in if you also, like, take a little bit of Gaiman, maybe, kind of, and then ground it in teenage disaffection and trying to figure out what you want to be. Mm-hmm and highly recommend it. I will say I, I do recommend knowing the structure of it. There are there are four endings. One I don't think this is a spoiler. One of the girls will become the devil. And based off of the at every point there whenever the only choices you have are which two girls will be together in a scene and the other one has to go off and do a thing. Or two of them go off and do a thing, but you are by you are obligated to split them up in that way. And the person who has the least uh, the least time with other with the other characters will manifest the devil. And then there is a true ending. And you should it, it, the whole game is four hours. It is a nice little evening game. Uh, The soundtrack is spectacular. It is simple and direct, and there is a lot of nuance and a whole lot of dealing with the the abuses that happen in some portions of evangelical Christianity, just in the sense of homophobia and uh, indoctrinated ideas of self, etc., I
1: recommend it Interesting. yeah uh it is only six dollars and 66 cents on steam
0: <laughs> it's so good <laughs> And it's also a, an itch.
1: yeah uh so yeah no that sounds good i will definitely put that on my wish list all right everybody uh that'll do it for us today we're going to do more adam next episode it might do some new stuff after that depending on what we can get our hands on but we are definitely going back through the normal channels of what we cover and we will see you all next time
0: Niecy Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes.
1: To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Our time with The Atom was off to a good start, benefiting from long stories, a well-realized relationship for our hero, and a distinctly home-alone energy to all the hijinks. We settled in for another few months of heroics before it would be time to move on again.